flicks and scoops coming at you at no great pace. I'm your host, Ash, currently trying my best to not do a stupid Super Mario impression as I announce this episode of Flicks and Scoops, which is The Truffle Hunters. With me this time is the delicious, possibly nutritious, sometimes salty and a bit spilly. It's food stylists Judith Jills and Camilla Reinhold. Not that there's much to spoil, but here's a spoiler warning anyway. If you haven't seen Truffle Hunters, then it's probably useful to see it before listening to this episode. And even if you have seen it before, watch it again. Or lock you in James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of Flicks and Scoops without a bit of zany miscellany. Some miscellaneous information about actor Billy Zane. Zany miscellany. Billy Zane was conferred with an honorary degree from Liam University, Bellinzona, Switzerland, for his work in the field of cinematography. Right, let's get on with it. Flicks and Scoops, episode 22. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. All righty. Okie doke. Flicks and Scoops got double trouble here for you today. I am joined by not one. Two special guests. They are the peanut butter and chocolate, the spaghetti meatballs, <laughs> the <laughs> avocado I'm toast <laughs> of the food styling world. Please welcome to the show Camilla Reinhold and Judith Giles. Ow. 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 Giles sounds Ow. so much better than Gillis. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get it wrong? Should have asked. No, this was my stage name as a kid. I was like, I want to be a singer. I'm going to be called Judith Giles. That sounds great. Well, there we go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Stage name. Judith Jack. <laughs> but Reinhold's right, right? Reinhold's right. Jude Reinhold. <laughs> uh, first of all, well done. You've chosen a film that warranted the most expensive ice cream I've made today. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> applause, applause. And you've um, two truffles. <laughs> I don't have a leaderboard, but you're comfortably on the top. Yes. Um, today's film is Truffle Hunters, a documentary about an aging community of truffle hunters in the Piedmont region of Italy. And to accompany the film, we've got a truffle and pear ice cream. But before we get more into the film and the flavour... Just like to thank you both for being here and pre pre thank you for your photographing expertise. <laughs> thank you for having us. It's yeah. a pleasure. I hope this tastes as good as you're going to make it look. <laughs> uh, do you want to try the ice cream? Have you tried it yes. already when you were scooping it? No, oh. I didn't dare. We okay. only smelled it. All right, yeah. I tried it already, <laughs> <laughs> and you did not enjoy. It. Okay, on a scale from seven to fifteen, what did you think? Seven to fifteen. Mm-hmm. What a wacky scale. Thanks. Six. Oh, actually, <laughs> there is something in it's the aroma terrible. that's quite that's quite wild. I actually really like it. I also really like truffle, though. I never really cook with it so much, but when there is a truffle pasta or a truffle oil, I'm always like, oh, this is so. I don't know, savory. I don't. I dislike truffle oil because it's so intense, but this is yeah. really subtle. Yeah, I'm enjoying How much it. did you put? Like in two grams? Um, I can't the whole remember. A whole truffle? A whole truffle, yeah. You did not. I did, yeah, why? <laughs> We're balling up in here. <laughs> We're balling. You did not. Uh, you grated it like a tip. Uh, yeah, grated it in. Because when I put it in initially, I tasted it. You put to the whole fair, truffle in just as yeah, but I don't. Well. I don't really know what truffle tastes like. So I was okay, just like it, tastes, it mean, if you have truffle oil, it's like a really intense garlic flavor. 
I mean, that's what people always compare it to. This is delicious. I love the truffle. I like it a lot. I can't taste the pear. Neither can I. But I think I can. T- the texture of the pear comes. Yes. Through. Sometimes pear is something yeah, a bit. You have hairy. these like filaments of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Hairy and you truffle. You make it sound so great. <laughs> <laughs> hairy and like, like ice cream. Like truffle. It's unpeeled, you know. But the flavor, I thought I would dislike it, but I think it's quite good. Mm. It's very earthy. I don't think I'm satisfied with one scoop. Well, you've got a whole litre to go out. So. <laughs> I'll try to have what you have so to so Good luck with that. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan, but I don't like truffles or mushrooms or like earthy. Or ice cream. Oh, you don't like <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> what am I doing here? Mm. Uh, well, Judith and Camilla here are food stylists amongst many other things. But dog foods... owners. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, we have our own little truffle. I scared my dog by dropping his laptop and now he's tied to his bed. <laughs> I had, to, a I, had to, truffle hunter. I had to assert my dominance as the, uh, <laughs> the guy with testosterone um, Yeah, so food styling is where the skills are most sought after. Just in case anyone's listening who isn't familiar with food styling, can you just give us a, a rundown as to what a stylist does? I think that I would give it over to Judith for this because she's a freelance stylist, so she has a lot more day-to-day experience. Do I? Because actually mainly I do photography. Mm. Food styling, I think, comes with the job because if I bake something and then I have to arrange it and the ultimate goal is to take a photo, then I have to be able to make it look appealing. So for me, it's actually just on the way to the final product, I had to learn that skill of of assembling something. I mean, I think that's the key thing is assembling. You assemble the food on a plate, in a set, choosing the props to go with it to create this beautiful end picture. And yes, there are the stereotypes of hairspray being used in food styling and glue glue, and using shoe polish to paint meat brown. But I think for me and you, we use a very natural take on it. And Sometimes all the a food, little spray of water. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> but all the food's edible in the end, yeah. I think. So you never used fake food? Mm-mm. I mean, I have, but that was before... When I worked on commercial shoots, for example, something, or just a, yeah, a big company shoot, then I would use fake food. But I haven't for a very long time. I feel like a drug addict. I'm like, I haven't used ages. <laughs> what part would be fake? You'd use like a the rubber meat. patty? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we used fake meat for one of those shoots. The ones that are misleadingly thicker. And we used glue. I did a shoot for a cereal company and we used glue as milk. I'm going to have to bleep out the names. Yes, or, or, I, I realize that's why I was like, I thought I'm going to get sniped through my window. Serial company. <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay. I think food styling now for us is just making food look as beautiful as possible. Yeah. And that also comes with using beautiful ingredients. And beautiful props. Yes, true. That's very important. Yeah. I'm going entirely on assumptions here, but I'd, now in, in the digital age, I'd imagine there's many routes to get in to food styling how did you two get involved in it in the first so yours was through photography yeah so I um I loved baking and cooking since I'm really young so I think that's how it started I just love putting stuff together and then seeing a product and offering it to my brother and say look I created something delicious and he's like that's cacao and (laughs) apple chunks that's not a dessert your brother's hard to please (laughs) he is (laughs) um so yeah, I think I was just always cooking and baking. I, when I was studying in Amsterdam, I uh, had a camera there and I think I just looked at food and like a stack of pancakes and I found it too beautiful to miss. And I was like, oh, I want to capture this somehow because I find food really photogenic and just very, yeah, like 
it just looks gorgeous and I wanted to capture it. So yeah, right. for me, I think it was a side effect of cooking already and baking. And then, so for me, that's also the ultimate goal. I want to style it and make it look appealing, but I would never use glue because I want to eat it in the end. Yeah. So I think I'd, I entered the field really randomly yeah. and by chance and from a place of passion and just wanting to bake every day. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I came <coughs> to find food styling quite by chance. Actually, I'm a chef and I trained as a chef in South Africa. And I started working as a chef for a food magazine down there and working with a food stylist. I didn't even know it was a real job and just cooking the food for her on sets. And sometimes she would let me style it. And I just loved not working in a industrial kitchen, first of all, not working in the kitchen environment with all the egos and the terrible hours, because that's the background I did come from. And food styling seemed like such a wonderful, creative way to use the, all this cooking knowledge. So you know exactly the theory behind what makes food look so beautiful. And you can use that. You can use those tools. And then capturing that image is, I guess, the end goal. But yeah, just cooking was the thing that led me there. Sounds like cooking is the gateway drug to food styling. It's like the, it <laughs> the cannabis. Beware, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what is it about working with food that particularly excites you? Um, for me, it's the, the memory that food holds. I find it so beautiful. And the way that food and community go together so well. Mm. For example, food is always the centerpiece for all gatherings, all important events. Food is always there to tie it together. And it's what you, people use to socialize and to connect. We had crackers and cheese before yes. recording. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I just think it, it links the human race together, even though that sounds very grandiose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah true. Yeah, I think also for me, it's it's kind of a way of painting a quick piece of art or something like I never get tired of seeing a bunch of ingredients and wanting to chop them up and marinating them in something and roasting them and then working with different textures and like crumbling some cheese over it and then sprinkling some nuts and chopping it all up and then adding some fresh herbs. I think it's just so vast and exciting and ex and then um, perhaps maybe zesting uh, lime over it all. And I just, I, it, I take so much pleasure from just thinking of what flavors to combine and seeing how it will turn out. It's, yeah, and I'm I'm surprised actually at how not tiring it gets. That every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna cook something. <laughs> There's an old maxim in the film industry, which is never work with children, never work with animals. I would like to add food to that list <laughs> because just from my own experience of trying to photograph ice cream, mm. it's incredibly well, you difficult. Well, chose the most difficult thing <laughs> yeah, to I photograph. Think so. yeah. I mean, even in the professional world, for the mm. most part, if you're shooting ice cream, you're mixing margarine and icing sugar together to mm. make fake ice cream. So you really set yourself a giant goal. Yeah, it seems that way. But even with other foods, like, I don't know, they, they wilt or becomes too soggy or whatever. Did, yeah. did either of you have like a steep learning curve where you had to completely ditch what you'd done and start the recipe again? You've like totally trashed it. Yeah, loads. Yeah. I mean, especially coming from a hot country like South Africa, you're always <laughs> yeah. racing against the clock. Yeah. So if you're shooting anything like desserts or fish, you constantly have to have ice on hand to refresh the food or just get new food. So I think the the temperature has a lot to do with it. 
but yeah, there was definitely a learning curve at the beginning, but it just means working faster for the most part mm. or being more organized on set, I think. Yeah. There are also certain dishes when I know I'm creating something, I, 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 don't, I can't put my finger on what it is, but there's sometimes like, ah, oh, damn, quiche. Sometimes they just look so boring and bland and the angle is going to be weird and tricky. And yeah, so I think there are some things I'm like, ah, oh, damn, I wish, I wish I wouldn't have to shoot this dish because it's always such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, while other things I find so easy to work with, actually, like maybe most desserts or most things that have like fresh berries in them and like a... I don't know, drizzle of something and then a little sprinkle of something, then it's already so appealing. So I feel like, yeah, no, more people work with food. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think there's certain foods that are just too ugly to make look nice? Just from memory, I sent you both a picture of some chocolate ice cream that I tried. Oh, to right. <laughs> and that was so awful. Yeah, <laughs> so terrible. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess brown ice cream would be... You're setting yourself a challenge for sure. Any well, if you're not putting food? it in a cone, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think colors are maybe the thing that could be challenging. Like food that's cream can look bland, as you said, with quiche or food that's really brown. It's it's hard to find beauty in certain colors. But I think you can make all food look beautiful. Maybe that's just optimistic. If it's in its like natural form, I think it is already. so interesting or beautiful yeah ingredients just have such a beautiful texture i just i think i grieve sometimes when things were done with these precious ingredients that i wouldn't want to consume and then there's like mayonnaise all over the place and i'm like yeah this is just nothing that i find appealing and there's no exciting colors and this is just not a fruit basket anymore <laughs> yeah or i don't know if a snickers and mars be deep fried i'd rather not take a photo of it Whoa. <laughs> That's all I want Have to take photos. Yeah, I love them. Oh, you love them? Absolutely. No, love you them. don't. Love to try them. They really? sound filthy, oh. but good. They're filthy, but great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this briefly before we started recording, though, but um, you mentioned about getting to a point where you just have too much of a good thing. Like when, whenever I've um, filmed food shoots, I love it because you get to eat all the food after. Mm. But most of the stylists that are on set just don't give a shit and I'm like man that's crazy like <laughs> you've got all this great food, food have either of you ever reached that point where you're just absolutely sick of the the sight of food yeah I think somehow you become desensitized to it or you even though you're hungry or you haven't eaten anything just being around food all the time and constantly snacking makes me feel quite sick just because it's all these different foods and textures and you're never sitting down to have a meal. And I think that's the discipline that I kind of need to enforce in my daily routine is to just sit down and have meals. Because if you're just snacking all the time, your stomach's like, whoa, what's going on? This is crazy. So yeah, I think I get quite sick of the food that we're shooting. And then generally I'll have to kind of abstain from it for a while until I find that hunger so to speak again yeah. or that passion for it guys i'm gonna stay in this corner for now i'm <laughs> not gonna go close to the buffet <laughs> but has that never happened to you yeah i think like i bake a lot and i if i bake one cake a day then i kind of i freeze some of it or i give it to friends usually and i just can't finish it all so yeah. i actually i i always have goodie bags and when i meet a friend i'll always take something with unless it's like something with the icing and it would get squished um but i think i don't get so excited 
anymore because I know there's always something sweet in the fridge or yeah. Then I think I'm I'm a little bit desensitized to that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a treat. It feels like, oh, this is part of my job. There's cake again. Yeah. That's why it's great being friends with you because you're always bringing little parcels of cookies. Or go, like, I tested this cracker. I tested this cake. This is, this is definitely the best spread we've ever had on Flicks and Scoops <laughs> pre-recording. Is this the first time you have two people and two dogs? Two dogs, yes. One dog in the room, one dog in the bed. <laughs> uh, two people have done it twice before. Okay. But definitely two dogs, but they're not even here. I'm uh, very disappointed. Echo's right here. He's oh, okay. there. I think I smelled his fart too. <laughs> yeah, I also smelled it. I was like, oh God, <laughs> not now. Um, just before we get into the film, I wanted to ask one more thing, just because I asked the last chef that was on the podcast, but what is your favorite kitchen utensil? Spatula. Knife. Ooh, straight answer. Which knife? A chef's knife, like a classic Proper chef's life. knife. Like a chef's yeah. spatula. <laughs> <laughs> a classic spatula. Wow, yeah. that was it. I'm impressed with this, the speed at which you answered that. And yours? Do you have one? I tried explaining it last time and I still can't explain it. Was it a whisk? Is it a garlic press? It's kind of like a, kind of like a spatula. It's like a half spatula, half spoon, but wooden. What would you even call that? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. A wooden, but a wooden yeah. spoon would be a really good, straightforward answer. Is it like answer. a spoon? Yeah. <laughs> it has a nice tip there at the, on the top? Yeah, it's kind of like squared at the top. Mm. Yeah, it's this wooden spoon spatula. 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 There we go. See, they're indispensable. Beba, look. I've been so. Clap me a soap, you draw, though. So, are you a flicker or a scooper? Who wants to go first? Can I say something about that? <laughs> because um, it sounds dirty. I right? know, I know, scooping and not flicking. But so I would lick the ice cream or scoop it. What is flicking? <laughs> when you throw it at your friends as a joke, you're like, ha ha, flick. Nah, uh, uh. No. <laughs> I'm F the only non-native speaker. <laughs> I thought no. I actually really thought it was. Do you know that trend that came about where they had this little spatula for ice cream, and it was this famous Turkish YouTuber who would like flick ice cream around and oh, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they have this little like yeah. uh, frozen. And that's what I assumed it was about. It's not that, but how pissed off would you get with that guy if you just wanted to buy an ice cream? It's like, whoa! <laughs> I would be so pissed off, man. Just give me my damn ice cream. It's hot outside. So. Flicks is a slang term for films in English. Like, I'm going to the flicks. Uh, I'm going to watch a flick. Uh, and then scoops is uh, ice cream. Scoop ice cream. So do you prefer films or do you prefer ice cream? Films. Ice cream. What? Whoa. <laughs> Showdown. <laughs> we prepared this actually for a little bit of conflict. <laughs> <laughs> uh, films. Interesting. Why? Actually, I never cared much for ice cream other than nice cream. <laughs> Why are we all doing this? <laughs> We're or, like. or Ash Truffle and Hair flavor, which was so delicious. I wish I had another one. Um, I don't know. I love films. I could do without ice cream in my life. It's not a mm. thing for me. I live right next to an ice cream shop, which apparently is quite okay. I never went. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> I had a quick peruse earlier. It didn't look that great. Uh, no. You know, I don't think you're missing out on much. I go. To, oh, can I can I drop names? Yeah, yeah. 
I go to Tribeca. That's my vibe. You know oh, that okay. ice cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they one. have like they have exciting flavors. But if I go to a normal ice cream shop or I see a kid walk out of that store and they have this poisonous blue looking bubblegum one, mm, I just I, I hate that. <laughs> and I think most ice cream flavors kind of look as poisonous to me. Okay. Yeah. You don't like poisonous ice cream. Flavors. I do not, but I like poisonous ice cream. Duly films. noted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have to say. Yeah, if I had to live without one of them, I couldn't live without ice cream. Really? I really love ice cream. And I have a very active imagination, so I could make up my own films, you know. And so many people tell me about them all the time. I feel like I've seen all these films. Like, I've never watched Die Hard, but I know exactly what happens Ooh. in it. I even know some quotes from it. I'll just be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seen a jungle part. with a belt? Huh? <laughs> I've also never seen it. <laughs> Clearly. I guess we're doing that on the next one. Maybe you oh, should wait, start a rival podcast. Is this like, Bruce Willis in the elevator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> it's called Sterb Langsam in Deutsch. Yeah. <laughs> Try slowly. One, two, three, four. Okay, yeah. Do you prefer eating your ice cream from a cup or a cone? Cup. But I think it's because it's easier and less messy. Yeah. Yeah, I would also say cup just because I wouldn't want extra sugar or something to combat the ice cream flavor and to take it out of its center stage. That's what I know? also thought but didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I wouldn't eat it at all. But when I served, when I served the, tr- the truffle ice cream, I asked Cammy, oh, did you want a cone? He was like, kind of. Yeah, yeah, because I never have cones, so I just thought it would be kind of nice still ha- and special. I can, like, crumble it up. I already ate all it. my ice cream. She finished it. She liked it. I liked it. <laughs> did you finish yours, or is it melted? Unfortunately, it- I did, yes. Oh, <laughs> it's just a rock in your yeah. stomach. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? When you go to a shop, what's the, what's the go-to flavor? Ooh, uh, I'm embarrassed to say mint chocolate chip. I knew it. Oh. Just because in my childhood, I mean, now... It's pistachio, definitely. And I think that's the perfect judge for an ice cream shop. That also would have been the perfect name for your dog. Pistachio. Yeah. <laughs> it's Guinness. a popular pick on Flicks and Scoops, pistachio. Yeah. But I think like in South Africa, uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream is really common. Sometimes there's even only like three ice cream flavors, and that's one of them. So I just gravitated mm-hmm. towards it. And then moving here, they don't have it anywhere. Like it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I really miss it. So what do you get instead? Pistachio. Oh, <laughs> and if they don't have that, yeah, then, well, then I'd probably just revert to like peanut butter cup or something. They don't have that usually. Who? What, what place is this? <laughs> Do they only have vanilla and chocolate? <laughs> You've got to tell me my options peanut first. Butter, that's not a thing here. Yes, it is. I'm is not going to say the ice cream brand because then Ash would have to bleep it out. Jen and Berries, right? Jen and Berries. <laughs> <laughs> um, ice cream flavor, I think. I often do chocolate sorbet, which is that's not ice cream. She goes to try that A lemon sorbet, but as a kid, I used to order hazelnut, despite me being very allergic to them. But it's worth the thrill and what? the flavor. You forced yourself to eat hazelnut ice cream. Allergic, like you get. Um, <laughs> What do you call it? Anaphylactic shock. Yeah, I get like a really itchy throat. I'm not deadly uh, allergic to it, but I just notice the discomfort, but it's worth it. I love (laughs) hazelnuts are my forbidden fruit. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, forbidden fruit. Oh my God. The death fruit. (laughs) Uh, Is ice cream usually your snack Mm -hmm. of choice at the cinema? No. 
I think I bring my own snacks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nuts and dried apricots. Oh my gosh. Oh, at least bring good snacks. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you just said you had like a fridge, fridge full of cakes and stuff. Yeah, but my but cakes are made with snacks. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, so also, when I make ice cream, actually, I also have a little ice cream churner if you want to ever borrow it. You it do. makes like 500 milliliters. <laughs> <laughs> and I use coconut milk and a little bit of vanilla and a little bit of maple and tonka bean. And that's delicious. So that's the type of ice cream I would want to eat. But if it has all the whopping, whipping, creamy, sugary, then I'm I'm less keen. Unless it has some truffle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then you're down. <laughs> um, yeah, ice cream as a cinema snack is quite a foreign concept to me still. It's just... What, Nothing you guys that have popcorn? I've, yeah, we only have popcorn <laughs> and maybe like some chips, a slushy, yeah. some chocolate even. But coming here and then they even have ice cream breaks in the middle of their movies, yeah, the little, which is crazy. The it's like ice cream pausa. <laughs> you can go get your ice cream now. What? Yeah. What about the people who don't want to get their ice cream? They just sit there in silence and wait. Yeah. But I think it's a it's a great concept. I should try it more often. But then I think I would also want to bring in my own ice cream because cinema prices are crazy. But how are you going to prevent in it from In a little cooler bag. Okay. She already <laughs> answered before I... Uh, yeah, that's that question. all planned out. <laughs> I'm going to have to bleep so much of those out if there's any cinemas <laughs> like, how are you going to do it? <laughs> bag. <laughs> do you go to the cinema often though? Or watch a lot of films? Um, not since getting a dog to be honest, mm. because then it's just like a whole other thing you have to organize. But before I did go quite a lot, I found it very meditative somehow. And I really like being in a dark cinema and right before the movie starts when there's the silence. I find it so peaceful. There's so, yeah. never silence before the film starts. They I go always... to the ones that aren't so popular. Oh, well, they've been running for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. The ones that have ice cream breaks with the yeah. cornetto. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're talking about the 1950s. <laughs> they still have that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't gone to the movie so much since we live in a pandemic. Um, but I love going there. I Actually, I don't know how you guys feel about watching films on your own. I can never actually commit Really? Yeah. I really enjoy it. It's very it's the only way I'm going. After yeah. 10 minutes, I'm always like, nah. Well, with you, if you watch with someone, I feel like there's a different level of commitment because it Are would be... Are you the kind of person who's talking you're like, did you see that? Yeah. What do you think that means? But also, it, it, would be, it would be such a bummer to say, oh, you also find it a bit weird. So usually if someone else brings it up, it's like, I'm not sure if I want to stick with this film. Like, it's a bit strange. I'm usually like, nah, come on, let's finish it. But on my own, I'd never have the conviction, I think. Is that in the cinema? Oh, you mean no, this home? is no, no, no. This is in general. If, if I like open right, the laptop right, right. or uh, put the beamer on the wall, which is difficult since I have a dog, because he hates the big image and something <laughs> oh goodness, on the wall. So <laughs> uh, in um, case you didn't know, these guys both have dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who keeps who keeps on bringing it up. That's the missing. But yeah, also in the in the um, movies, I, it it you are committed to it, cause also because you paid a price. I don't think I ever walked out of a cinema. But there's so many times that I've shut my laptop and said, nah, I think I'm going to read my book or mm. I don't know, watch something else instead. Um, yeah, but going to the movies, I don't. I think I don't do it often enough. And every time I go, I'm like, oh, this is such a great experience and just a different level of surround sound. Though, may I say, I watched The Dune recently and I almost walked out because I it was it's, so noisy. It's just Dune. It was so nice. It was too loud. That one dune. <laughs> yeah. The dune is so loud. It was unbearable. It was really loud. It was pretty I fucking loud. Yeah. Right? 
I had to block my ears a yeah. few times, but that made me feel very old. Yeah, me too. No one else had to. I don't, I don't think the music helped. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> too much, yeah. So bad. Have you ever walked out of the cinema? Uh, yes. I think maybe maybe just three times. That's a lot. Yeah. And one of them was actually The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, actually, well done. <laughs> I, want to I don't know. It's just it, some movies, if they are too... If they're spending too much time on one specific part or mm. really stressing a part of the film, where I'm like, I get it. And if it's close to the end, was it close then to I'll the end? Out. It was. Okay. Yeah. There was maybe like five minutes left. Okay. So I basically watched the whole movie. Yeah. And then I saw everyone come out after me. I was like, damn, I wish I missed more. <laughs> Did you have to wait for your friends that were inside? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My brothers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why did you choose Truffle Hunters? Um, Judith actually recommended it to me as a perfect pandemic film because my brother had come to visit me from uh, Alaska at the time. And we... He's going to love that. Send him the link. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he he is also very into food and we both love Italy. We've been there a few times and we were in Tuscany last year together. And um, the film takes place in Piedmont in Tuscany. And after Judith told me about it I thought this would be perfect for us to watch and after watching it um, I just thought it would be a brilliant way for us to talk about the same film because it's about food and we love food so much and Um, about dogs and dogs (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah and then after recommending it to you I'm really glad you chose it because I don't know I think it's it's not known enough I mean I think it was put up for an Oscar at one point but it never won and people should watch it. It's, and it's, it's got so a few good. banners and like the opening yeah. scenes of what it won at some Sundance, at Sundance or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first time that you saw it? Did yeah, I loved it. Particularly memorable. I, so when I decided on watching a film, I always check IMDb. I don't know. You got you check Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I always want to get a little bit of a of an insight of is the, is there a trusted source that says worth watching because it's above eight. Point one, mm-hmm. um, and it was so. Then I already I'm 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 already up for it. And then watching the trailer, it's I think the type of film just really um, grasped my attention because it's so many stills. I love the camera frames. So yeah, I I remember watching it and just being mesmerized and not wanting to take a pee break ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw it. I remember quite vividly. I, I remember as old as yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but I'd not heard about it or seen anything about it. So when you suggested it, I remember watching it and thinking, wow, these two have somehow stumbled upon an absolute gem mm-hmm. <laughs> of a film here. Um, what do you mean somehow? <laughs> well, the reason, the reason I was shocked is because from conversations that I had with you both, you've got quite different tastes in films. So I mm. thought that it was you were going to go for... More of a classic film, maybe that you'd both enjoyed mm. when you were younger or something. But I was like, what? I don't know, like a Disney e- movie, e- yeah, <laughs> like ET <laughs> e- or something like this. You know, um, you already had was, the ice cream flavor picked out, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I already made it, so I was like, oh, cool, she's that. So yeah, no, I was really impressed. It was a good film, uh, solid choice, and I thought also actually. Obviously, we don't know each other so well, but from the minimal interactions that we have had, I thought it was, it seemed to reflect your personalities quite well because 
I think, centers around food. Uh, it's artistic, it's poignant mm. at times, and also not afraid to be silly. What? Good going. <laughs> <laughs> and there's loads of dogs. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how much of it do you think was staged and how much was spontaneous? Oh, I thought this was a very interesting question. I don't know. Is this something that you always ask or do you just you chose no, to no, put no, not always ask. You can't ask that with Fight Club, can you? No, she, you could. Maybe some Fight of those Club. scenes are highly improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe every answer to Fight Club is just, we can't talk about it. can't Fight talk about it. <laughs> um, I thought that it was not staged. Neither was it spontaneous mm-hmm. in my mind because I know that the two people that made it, they were trying to make this documentary for a couple of years even. They were trying to find these truffle hunters who are very secretive and keep to themselves. So I think it was definitely planned, but I don't think it was staged whatsoever. I think it's just a little natural snippet of the lives of these truffle hunters. Very true to form. Yeah. Yeah, they seem so authentic. I don't think they would let themselves be put in a shape. Like, they're so unapologetically themselves. So I don't think they would or could <coughs> skip to a script like that. Yeah, I, I mean, the reason I asked is because um, mainly there's there's a debate in observational cinema that is, if there's a camera there, can it only ever be a superficial truth? Which I tend to agree with because... If ever I'm being filmed or something like that, I'm constantly aware mm. that there's a camera there. Maybe it's different if you're just being filmed hours on end every day. But I think there's still probably some awareness that they're being filmed. And also I think they're showmen, so they're kind of like, you know, living up to the camera a bit. But I felt like they were maybe being showmen to perhaps the camera operators or the translator who I know was always there. But I... They just seem so genuine in all of their movements and they never hold anything back. And, you know, if they're taking their dogs out, they're just talking about the land and their ancestors. And it just seems so legitimate. I was actually so shocked by how legitimate it was, even Mm. for a documentary. Mm. That's what I enjoyed so much about it. So to think that it was staged... It's a little bit heartbreaking. (laughs) And it also looked too habitual, you know, like, so with our dogs and how we talk to them, okay, mine has only been here for three weeks, but I want to call some of it a habit already. (laughs) But, you know, you kind of have these mannerisms and how you address them and like what you what you comment and how you call them or all of this stuff seemed a little bit too set in stone. And they're also so scruffy. I, I would imagine that if they have this excitement and they see the camera in front of them, like, for example, in the bathtub scene, and he's kind of like looking over all the time, I think there'd be more slip ups or there being less scruffiness. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah so even I, that scene, like, I don't think anyone would want to be filmed in the bath with their dog if they really cared so much about showmanship or about staging something. Yeah, and get true. the hair dryer yeah. and potentially yeah. be exposed to rockers. <laughs> <They're terrified. laughs> Has the film had an influence on your life at all? I don't think so. I think it's just one of those um, films that I watch and I think, oh, this really resonates and I'm so glad something like this exists. So more like a confirmation on the way of, oh, there are these things that I really value, other people have actually created. So they do exist as well, like people whose mind is maybe similarly inclined. So I think not a not a massive influence. I also don't think about it often. Um, and I've also only seen it once mm. and just hold it in really dear memory. But maybe after this podcast, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> um, 
but just more something where I think, wow, this is just something in me stirs because of the visuals um, and because of the content and maybe the the calmness and the quietness. Because to me, this is the very opposite of some strange action, Hollywood, whatever film that mm-hmm. I can in no way enjoy. Um, and this just being very calm and grounded and literally earthy. Yeah. So I think there's there's a bit of trust because it there there is a frequency that I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it actually has influenced my life. <laughs> 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 um, I think for me, it has just made me fall even more in love with Italy. And I want to go back so dearly. And I've started learning Italian. I think the movie made me start learning Italian because... I would love to go at least once a year for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. And it has nothing to do with truffles, but as you said, these stills of landscape that it pictures mm. just like take my breath away and catch my soul somehow. And so, yeah, I want to want to make that my life one day <laughs> with the dogs, <laughs> but not the truffles because I'm not a huge fan. How do you say truffle in Italian? Truffle. Truffle? I don't know. (laughs) Just say it in Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Truffle. Definitely not like that. (laughs) No, you said it like a person from Sheffield. (laughs) 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 Um, A few of the hunters mentioned death. Do you think they get so obsessed with truffle hunting to stave off the fear of death? Um, Also a very interesting question. But I, I don't think that anything they do warrants that much thought. They, they seem to me like they're just living in the moment and taking life as it comes and trying their best to eke a living out of the land. Uh, and that seems to be their only passion, their only thought. I don't think that they fear death so much. Even the, this one character, Carlo, who's my favorite character, but he's got to scream his name. (laughs) (laughs) He's always just like sneaking out into the darkness, even though he's like 84 years old Mm. and death is so prevalent to him. It's right at his doorstep and his body's falling to pieces, but he's still there every day trying to find truffles with his faithful dog by his side. So I don't think that death is even an idea to him. I think he just wants to find truffles. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also feel like the it's, it's something so ancient, actually, right? To go out and hunt um, and find produce, something that we never do. Like I, I feel so incapable, even though I have an interest in nature. And uh, if I find a cherry tree, there is still something in me because I grew up in a city that that wonders but it's in the city here. Can I eat it? Like, is there something with these cherries or is it a different type of species? Is it inedible? Um, so just something so ancient about the whole going out and retrieving that I think they're just in this mode. And yes, you said also in the introduction, they're an, an aging uh, uh, species there, or mm. um, yeah, they're, they're all above their 70s, 80s, I assume. Yeah. Um, I don't know how preoccupied they are with an ending of it because even though like doesn't one have like a walking stick or yeah. it, or at least has issues walking and still they're like stumbling through the forest just a little bit slower um i don't think there's much of a hold up with the thought of ah oh, what if i can't keep on going anymore so one also climbs out of the window and just does it even though there's probably 10 more reasons to not do it um yeah so i think it's just this instinct of go and retrieve and dig and do this thing that I've known all of my life. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. The first time I watched it, this is why I put this question in, is because 
I kind of thought that's what it was, sort of a distraction. But then after rewatching it, they've all got hobbies. They're all doing other stuff. It's just mm. like this real incessant need to, yeah, to go hunt. And what are the hobbies? One is it one drawing, drawing, drumming, yeah. yeah. And then this one guy just seems to be like collecting wood the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess yeah. he just sells wine bottles. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, this one guy's like writing oh, yeah. his novel. Poetry, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, poetry, and he's yeah. just like smoking a joint the whole time. Yeah. And then I guess this old guy is just trying to avoid his wife and her scolding <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah. Actually, it seems like quite a lot in a live thing. Not what we do here. I don't know, like keeping ourselves busy, like working and then maybe going to the gym and then maybe you go home and you watch Netflix or something. But something that gives you such a um, interest in life and that actually puts a bit of fuel to your fire so you can do something else that's creative. Mm. Um I feel like a lot of that is missing here. So these people aren't dying. They're quite living. <laughs> yeah. More than us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's, what's your favorite scene? Um, I, I really love the scene with Carlo and his wife and they're sorting tomatoes. No! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, don't mention my favorite scene. Don't mention my favorite and, scene. And he's like, put, he's choosing the tomatoes being like, oh, these are beautiful and ripe. I'll yeah. put them to the good pile. And she's like taking mm -hmm. his beautiful ripe tomatoes being like, mm -mm, put yes. that back. That's not beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's just always like trying to control him. But at the end, you see, she really loves him. She just wants to keep him alive. But yeah, that's my favorite. Scene. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, second favorite. Um, I don't know what the guy's called, but one of the old truffle retrievers. Um, and he feeds the dog. I think he's having soup and maybe a little bit of bread. And he's offering the the dog a few uh, crumbs every now and then. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I actually a lot of the scenes there. Also the tomato one. It just I love these stills where it's a full frame. And you just, it's its so beautifully crafted that actually today I thought if I would make a film, I think it would be so much harder than it looks to actually create something so beautiful and simple and yet so full and beautifully like the, the color balance. And it was just the right amount of stimulus actually in every, um, everything they, they, they showed. But yeah, the tomatoes. <laughs> what about you, Ed? Yeah. I, without a doubt is when they strap cameras to the dogs. Oh yeah, oh, right. was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was watching at home, I let out an audible, "Who?" Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, when I was watching that bit, because it was a stroke of genius. Like, yeah. I think to see something like that, it's rare that I think I see something fresh. But then when I watched that scene, I was like, "All right, that's new. I liked yeah. it." Um, and I think it served as quite a good juxtaposition to the rest of the film because. It's really slow paced, not boring, but mm. it meanders quite nicely. And then the bit with the dogs, it just really sort of encapsulates their excitement for going on a hunt, for getting the truffles. Mm. And then particularly with just putting a camera on a dog, like, yeah. <laughs> what's not to love about it? And it's it is great. really exciting when you see it through their eyes. It's so fast paced and intense. And yeah. It's so jostly as well. I would never have imagined Actually, that. I was quite surprised because I uh, I watch a lot of dogs in my life and it always looks so like hectic, but I was really surprised at how still the camera actually still remained. Mm. Like they, there was so much shaking and walking, but somehow there was still quite a, was somehow stable. You know what I mean? Like you could still see straight. Um, and also I realized how stressful it is for a dog to be in a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which character do you relate to, if any? Or is there anything in the film that particularly resonates with you or reminds you of something in your own life? 
or maybe the um, simplicity of that that is something that really inspires me like this whole countryside a lot of nature uh how real and rough it seems because i tend to also really romanticize that image and there you see how um scruffy and simple it is um which actually makes me feel quite comforted and also i think the the how how authentic the companionship with the dogs was mm. uh, depicted yeah that reminds me a bit of my childhood yeah nice I think I really related to Carlo again. <laughs> Carlo! <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's just so cheeky and mm. stubborn. And at the end of the film, which is another of my favorite scenes, he's caught sneaking out of the house yeah. through the window at night because his wife doesn't want him to hunt truffles anymore. <laughs> and I just love how stubborn he is and how he will do the thing he loves until the very end, even if it kills him, because doing it... And dying from it is worth it. And I think I really relate to that or would like to relate to that. Keeping the passion as number one. Awesome. I think I'm going to end up like, um, what's his name? Angelo, is it? The guy with the beret? Yeah. Yeah, just world weary. Just getting pissed, chatting absolute cobblers <laughs> with his mates, like slamming on his tight right? <laughs> um, with your previous question of how, that maybe how staged it was, um, the climbing out of the window, you think this was a common practice for him to just sneak out into the forest and hunt the truffles? Because the cameraman had to be ready for that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like he did it quite often. Yeah. Because he just wanted to hear the owls. Well, this is the thing, you see. I think, you never know. I, I think he definitely does do it. Yeah. But they must have... Planned it. Planned he told it. Him, hey, it. Climb out of the yeah. window. Yeah. Yeah. Do it at 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, but in that case, his, his wife would be instructed to scream, Carlo, you know, like, for... Exactly. Was it questioning everything? Yeah. There's Life actually... Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It was um, shown at the Berlinale, and it was such an impressive film. Le Chen. I think I told you about it before. Uh, the Oak Tree. It's a French documentary. I haven't seen it. No. It is incredible. I watched it and I could not believe my ass. I don't know if you'll find it online. I'm sure in the next few years it's streamable somewhere if you have the right VPN. Um, but it's this just one massive beautiful tree and its inhabitants are being documented. So one squirrel and then there's like a fox and then there's a few bugs. Um, and the way they shot some of the scenes, like they really crawl into the earth and show how the mice are warming each other and like cuddling. And I just wondered like, what what camera do we, do? like how much of this is uh, constructed or is like, I don't know, 3D, whatever you want to call it. What's the term for this? Like if they just like... Animated, you mean? Yeah, sorry. I, I thought there would be a more exciting term. <laughs> um, <laughs> like how much of this was animated, but also like what cap, is it actually like little surgeon cameras that usually can uh, glide into someone's stomach? Um, and then also some of the scenes where uh, a bird of prey lands on exactly this branch in a different tree. Like how, I know they shot the film for five years, but how could they foresee that this would happen? Or did they just plan a thousand cameras all over the, you know? Well, that's why I was wondering about the truffle hunters, because like a lot of the um, shots, like you said, they look like paintings almost. Mm. So to, for them to stand in such a perfect mm. way in which everything, like the way the image is composed, everything's balanced, the way that they're blocking each other, it just seems too good to be true. Yeah. But to that point about filming something for five years, when they film nature documentaries, like I don't know if you watch any of the David Attenborough yeah. stuff. Of course. They film 
all of but that. But now he's so also our natural <laughs> national treasure. But they just they have like so many cameras set up on these mm. places, and obviously, like before they start filming, they'll track the movements of the animals. Mm. So they do know, in, in some respects, that yeah, this bird is going to land on that branch around about this time because it does it habitually for you know two weeks or something. Okay. It's yeah. sad. <laughs> Takes the magic out wow. of it a bit, but just yeah. crashed my whole world. <laughs> David, no. This time, no. <laughs> All the hunters seem to frequently lie in one way or another. Can you trust what they're saying? <laughs> mm. Are you really just trying to filth up my whole idea of the movie? Yeah, don't turn um, us against them. I completely trust them. They're sweet little old men. I mean, they they do lie to each other quite constantly about what they have found and where they have found it. But I know just from finding mushrooms in South Africa <laughs> with my dad, and he does the exact same thing. You have to protect your spots and you have to protect mm. your bounty yeah. because otherwise then someone will tell someone else and then there'll be a whole group there and they'll be picking the mushrooms badly and then the crop won't grow there again. So I think they're just protecting their livelihood. Also with something like truffles, it's just gold. It's almost, it's yeah. worth its weight in gold, almost yeah. literally. So hey, I how much, how, how much does the piece of truffle weigh that you put into my fridge? Mm. So you're going to say cost. No. <laughs> Think 25 grams. Okay. But it's not an Alba truffle. No. <laughs> far, far from it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's an eBay truffle, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> Did you have to bid on it? No, no, no. So it was a, the, the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think these men are just very charismatic and, I don't know, uh, very maybe stuck in their ways. And we all know that, like, for example, with my parents, I noticed that as old, like, when they get older, they just get a little bit more... Uh, yeah, like maybe committed to the character that they developed. <laughs> so also with these men, I I also completely trusted them. But if I was to meet them and be around them, <laughs> I think I'd also just be like maybe roll my eyes sometimes. Be like, yeah, that's just this like I don't know. He's playing that character that he created, and the the a bit of an edge I think belongs to that because they all maybe want to be a little extra charismatic and maybe lying creates that edge. Yeah. But I think it's more a comment on the industry rather than probably them as people. Like what you said. Yeah. It's ve the whole industry is very secretive. The whole travel industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to, you know, protect, to protect yeah. your hunters, protect the patches and all yeah. this sort of stuff. So I think there's an essence of truth in what they say, but just em embellish a it a little bit. Strategy. Yeah. 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 What's the point of the film? <laughs> um, I, for me, the point of the film was even if something is, is really difficult, humans will do it anyway. Even if something is really unnecessary, even it's like this, this achievement of the human spirit for no practical reason. But truffles aren't even really that good if I'm being honest. They're highly optional. <laughs> and they're How so, nutritious are they? They're probably like trace elements of nutrients like mushrooms. Yeah. And, and it's so difficult to find them, but still these men have dedicated their lives to it. Mm -hmm. And that's all they do. Mm -hmm. And they lie and beg and steal. I mean, no, that's dramatic. But still, <laughs> it's just showing you how mm -hmm. these men will do anything to get this truffle. 
Mm. And it's, there's no real sense to it, but it's still just like the beauty of existence. That's why I thought the film The was beauty passed. of existence and maybe also the absurdity yeah. um, and the comfort or meaning we seek in camaraderie. So we could maybe be hunting anything. I don't know, like some precious buttermilk winged butterfly. Um, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Um, and it doesn't really matter. Like they're out and about and they see their purpose in that. And they have their um, dogs right next to them to just commit to this one thing. And this is where they can derive so much meaning from something that we need a lot more of, I think, because we 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 don't we don't have so many elements of that represented, of something that is just not questioned. And we just know we're gonna go to Grunewald and get some Ramson with our little fairy mm. companion. <laughs> Yeah. Very beautiful answers. Uh, can we just rewind though? There's no nutritional value to mushrooms. Did I hear that right? Yeah, well, there's trace nutritional elements wow. in there. Now I have but an excuse not to. You mean to mushrooms in general? Yeah. They're not very nutri- nutritional. Great. I'm tr- I'm trying to come up with a noise that um shows a degree of shock and disbelief. I mean the whole <laughs> the whole fungus family and truffle is also fungi. They have some minerals. Trace. <laughs> Trace elements, my dear. You heard it here first. Mushrooms and bullshit. <laughs> has the has the film led you to change your opinion on the truffle world? Um, I I didn't know how corrupt it was in the finders being extremely underpaid because in one scene there's this very slimy buyer that you keep seeing throughout the film. And he's the one who's in contact with all of these truffle hunters. Is he the one who gets the fresh truffle yeah. hunted over his two no, no, egg no, yolks? No, no, that's, no. I don't, I don't know what his purpose is actually. But the other guy who has okay. the daughter and he's eating the truffles, oh, spaghetti yeah. with his daughter. Slimy. He's pretty slimy. Yeah. But he, you see him dealing with this one truffle hunter and he's selling him truffles. And then he gives him a price for it. And then you see him talking on the phone to then the other buyers and he sells it for almost double the price he paid for it. Even though he was talking to this truffle hunter and being like, oh, I don't know if I can give you a deal for these. These are bad quality. I'm doing you a big favor kind of thing. And the other guy was also like eating this up. So I think it's a lot more commercialized and corrupt than I initially thought. Yeah. Um, I never thought about the truffle industry so much. I think also truffle I only encountered in a, a nice fancy restaurant once every five years or in a, a highly overdone truffle oil. Um, and maybe the appreciation for when something rare and just produce in general, how it is being um, found and just, I think, creating that connection again of, you know, now we go into the supermarket and buy plastic wrapped everything and we just mm-hmm. do not make the connection of what tree did that come from. So the, so what, when I go um, somewhere in South Europe and I see figs growing on those trees, it's almost unthinkable for me that one could just go and pick a ripe fruit off a tree because I feel like it needs to be bought. Um, so yeah, an appreciation for what it takes. And I think also sometimes if we, um, I don't know, for example, sunflower seeds, they're so cheap. And I know that they probably like just have this big machine rolling over a field and like chopping down flowers and then, I don't know, like squishing seeds out. I don't really know how it works. <laughs> Shaking the <leaves. laughs> <laughs> but I just, um, it, it, it's not all handwork, but just to appreciate more that there needs to be, there are so many actions and so much movement involved in order to retrieve one little seed. Um, 
And yet here we are thinking, oh, why can't it be 50 cents cheaper or something? Or we get this just massive bag, even though we know that when we go and get brammables in the um, in, in the summertime, I've been picking them for two hours and it's just enough to make a big pot of jam. Um, so yeah, I'll appreciate the half of the truffle in the fridge a lot more now. <laughs> we should make a truffle pasta out of this. Yes. But then again, you don't like truffle so much. But maybe I'll enjoy it. I mean, I have only tried fresh truffle once before in my life. Okay. Was over scrambled eggs. And I just love scrambled eggs. So I was just like, wow, this is delicious. But yeah. is it the truffle? Is it the eggs? Yeah. I think it probably works better with hot food than ice cream. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the ice true. cream was so yummy. It was yummy. If ever we should um, record another episode, we should we can have a talk before of what ingredient we'd really like to taste. Yeah, <laughs> and then find a film that would match that. Yeah, we can start with the ice pasta. cream. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, further viewing, which you might be interested in. Have you seen Pig? Um. There's something in my brain that says I've heard of this. No, sorry, go on. Well, I realize that my entire opinion of the truffle industry has been based on films, <laughs> especially yeah. recently because there was this Truffle Hunters. But then Pig came out recently, which is about Nicolas Cage is a truffle hunter living in the forest with a truffle pig. And then his pig gets stolen and he has to go into the city to retrieve his pig. Came um, out recently? yeah, yeah. Last oh. year, I think it was. I wonder what film they were it. inspired by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that had the same thing to say about the industry, like really competitive hmm. people, um, like hunters, are basically skilled laborers who are being exploited for all the work that they put in hmm. and these yeah, slimy uh, truffle salesmen. And there's yeah. no one ever wanting to pay the full price. Like I mm. feel whatever and how, however good you are at baking the sourdough bread, someone's always going to talk you down and be like, yeah, but you know, I can find it cheaper down the road. Can't you do this? And so craftsmanship is really not um, appreciated anymore as right. it should be. Here's what I don't get though. Why can they not just grow truffles? Yeah, this is like a big debate. I mean, you technically can. There's, there's a few truffles that have been curated or like made and cultivated in for example texas they cultivated this famous french truffle but it's very difficult to do that and it took seven years to develop it because with the fungus you have to spread the spores of a, of a fungus and know exactly where it's going to grow and it only grows under certain trees especially with truffles mm -hmm. you have to have the exact right terrain weather there's so many different things that make it like all the terroir elements, basically. Okay, so too many variables. It's too many basically. variables. What's to the point if it only has trace elements? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's for the glory. Yeah. <laughs> also, by the way, I haven't heard of pig. I think the film that popped up in my head was sheep or something. Lamb. <laughs> lamb. The lamb. Yeah. Just name all them. Yeah, where they raise a lamb as their own child. Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah. Have you both seen I've it? I've seen it. Yeah. Well, how was it? I don't know. I thought it was a bit silly. Uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. Enjoy I didn't. It so much I didn't like the that. acting. I didn't think it was convincing. And pig, then, pig is better. Pig sounds pig's, better. Pig's okay, worth, okay, okay, worth okay. But you know why they stopped using pigs because the pigs would eat the truffles whenever they found it. They I were like a liability. Oh no, no, but I, I read about that also. But <laughs> to the point where <laughs> they were eating the truffles and the hunters were trying to take them back and they were losing fingers from the pigs just. I didn't know that you could use dogs either. Do you think dogs like truffles? 
Uh, yeah, I think they, they develop a taste for it. And when you train them, you're supposed to feed them little pieces of truffle so that they do develop a taste for it. Is this knowledge you have randomly or that you research for this podcast? No, I mean, I had this knowledge because my dad's obsessed with like truffles. And he actually had the idea of cultivating his own truffle in South Africa, but the uh, weather is not right. Yeah. So he talks about it quite constantly. Okay, what a niche yeah, dad he, to have. Yeah, <laughs> niche dad. <laughs> to have dad. specific dogs as well, because yeah. I imagine a lot of it is they get enjoyment from it's the thrill of the chase. Yeah, from, but even the they have a special breed in this particular part of Italy, in Piedmont. They're called truffle dogs, but I mean, their name is is more elaborate, but they're bred just for this and they have much bigger noses. So their noses can absorb uh-huh. more smells mm. and they have this like very wiry hair. And this one dog in the movie, Berba, mm-hmm. she's this breed. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. That's what they she's look the like. She's the best one, to be fair. She is. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. That's why I did the pair when he's uh, feeding the pair to Berba. Oh. Yeah, it's that when he's sitting and he's like slicing it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite piece of trivia or fact about the film? I think it's really interesting that when they put the cameras on the dogs, uh, what do you call the thing that the ca- is held by the camera? With this, um, when you have it on a human, it's called a camera or oh, gimbal. Gimbal, yeah. They made this camera gimbal for the dogs. The local cobbler made it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what is a cobbler? There's like a shoe repairman or a shoemaker. How would you even go pitch that to a cobbler? <laughs> to like a traditional Italian cobbler. You're like, Isn't there mean? a cake that's also called a cobbler? Yeah, yeah. like a, a peach cobbler. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, just checking. No, <laughs> <laughs> the English language. <laughs> but I guess in America they call a cobbler a cake. And then yeah. in British English it's like a shoemaker. Some, some custard involved somewhere? Some. No, peach cobbler. I mean, generally you'd eat it with custard or ice cream, I guess. Okay, okay. But the cobbler made it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He made his gimbal for the dogs (laughs) when they were running through the forest. (sighs) The truffle that's shown in the auction weighed around one kilogram and it sold for $100,000. Who bought that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who bought that? Wow. And yours is 25 grams. Or the one we have in the fridge is 25 grams. Yeah. Imagine yeah. how many dogs you it could buy. It costs nowhere that. near that. <laughs> I know. Imagine the dog Imagine that found that. Shelter dogs you could buy for that. I wonder if dogs, when they make a really big truffle find, are then allowed to retire. Like, oh, you've done your job. Now you can retire and live a good life. No, no they, because they know how well you can perform. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't even sell Berber for. Well, he was going to swap for a kid, were not he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy old guy in the forest wants a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Carlo! Carlo! That's all for questions. Uh, there's only one thing left to do. Um, are you familiar with star systems? You know, when you rate films out yeah. of five? Yeah? Oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, But yeah. I don't do out of five. I do, like... A random number. Oh, yeah, yeah. seven do, out of what was it? 20 to 75. Well, that's perfect, because forget everything you know about the star system. On Flicks and Scoops, we like to rate it out of scoops. <laughs> oh, you guys are crazy. crazy. <laughs> what would you give the film? And it has to be out of five, sorry. But in your case, if you got five scoops of your truffle ice cream, that would not be such a good rating, would it? No, but we're not rating the ice cream, we're rating the film. <laughs> the rating would be no scoops of truffle ice cream for me, thank you. <laughs> I would give it a healthy four and a half scoops. 
cardinal sin of putting a half no scoop halves. in there. Who, who eats you half can, a scoop of ice cream? You <laughs> just <laughs> eat half a scoop of ice cream. Case made. This time I'll allow it just for my own stupidity. <laughs> I give it 4.7. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I have a very, very reliable, accurate scooper. Oh, do you? Yeah. Shit, I need to get myself one of those. Yeah. Divide the scoop up. Yeah. I'd sort of agree. I'll give Actually, it, I'll I gave him not four. half scoop, but a three quarter scoop. <laughs> so I've been deceived. Yeah. Been deceived I just with ice cream. how much it would melt. And then you wouldn't scoop all of that up. So I wanted you to have some solid truffle. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Is Thank there you. Anything our listeners should look out for? Where can we find you on social media? Oh, plug, Ooh, plug, 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 plug. Um, I, I, I would love to plug me and my very good friend, photographer. I've started a little side project called Salt Spill at Salt Spill. So check out our stuff on there. And Judith, you should definitely plug yours. S P I L N. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can be found as Judelicious and Nutritious on Instagrams um, because everything I make is delicious and nutritious, apparently. And every now and then a little dog face appears. Yeah. <laughs> and who doesn't love that? Yeah. Cool. Thank Maybe you. a cobbler soon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> make one. No, de- definitely check them out because they put my food photography to shame. Everything looks uh, incredible. So um, you took some photos of your ice cream. Is that your food photography? Done none of the homework, this guy. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I'll show you after this. Okay, cool. In okay. shame. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks so much. Hope Thank you enjoyed you it. Thank you very much. See you around. Wholesome, wholesome content. Huge thanks to my wonderful guests, Judith and Camilla. If you want to try Flicks and Scoops in person, then boy, do we have a treat for you. Pop-up season started, so get yourself down to Backhouse Projects on the 21st and or 22nd of May to sample some icy delights, unless you're listening to this past that date, in which case, sorry. Keep up to date by subscribing to the Flicks and Scoops podcast wherever you usually get your pods, and give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 at Flicks and Scoops. See you next time. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. Ice, 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 ice cream.